You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Good to see you guys here. I'd, uh, I'd, I like preaching, but I don't like always preaching under these circumstances where somebody's not feeling well. And I just, my heart goes out to the Rick and the family there um, as we continue to lift them up in prayer. I know it's uh, always a serious, serious time when somebody's ill, and especially when we're dealing with things of COVID and, and of those natures. We always are wanting to take those things before the Lord in prayer. Amen. And just make sure that we're lifting them up. Uh, how many of you know that pastors are under attack? Always. And they, uh, the enemy doesn't like the work of a pastor. And so they will always, uh, always are under attack in a lot of different ways. And definitely uh, whenever uh, the family gets sick, it's always rough uh, to deal with that as well. I want to uh, share a message again. I've been teaching about worship, and I still have this heart on me to teach about worship, and you think, man, can we talk three weeks about worship, three times? Oh, we could probably talk the whole year of worship. If we want to go through the book of Psalms, I think we could talk for our own worship just for a long, long time. And I wanted to share a little bit about this because what I previously taught on was how we were created for worship last time I shared, how God has created us for worship. The week before that, I talked about how, how we are to encounter God in worship. And that's one of the purposes and designs of worship. And we, we saw last week, uh, last, not last week, but the week that before when I shared about created for worship, we saw that in Exodus chapter 20, that the people stood afar off. And how it's so tempting, even for us today, to stand afar off from God. And we may not realize that we do it. And we, we looked at how they uh, created a, a golden calf and how they worshipped the golden calf. And uh, that was the symbol of them, of where they had come from and how they, uh, it was familiar to them. And how we can do the same thing in our lives today, where we can, we can worship something that's familiar to us that takes the place of God, even inadvertently. We don't even realize that it happens. It's a very smooth, uh, transitional thing that can happen in our lives. And we looked at how this, uh, they stood afar off. I, I said it was one of the most sad scriptures uh, in the whole book of the Bible where it says, the people of God stood afar off, but Moses drew near God and the place where God was. Today I want to look at um, the subject in worship of warfare. Warfare. If you want to spell worship another way, you can also spell it Capital W-A-R, fair, warfare. So how many of you know that we are in a spiritual battle? It's spiritual. And we're going to look at a few scriptures today, but I wanted to, I wanted to ask Ken if he would put up that Raise a Hallelujah song. This, the first chorus, I believe. First lyric, let's start there. I really noticed it stuck out to me when we sung the song that this is such a powerful song. I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. This is talking about warfare. This is not talking about just singing a song. This is not just talking about praising God, although we need to praise God, but it's talking about raising up 
a standard of worship in the middle of your trial. Look at the next piece here. It says, uh, I raise a hallelujah. My weapon is a melody. We need to understand that worship is our weapon. And we're going to look at a few scriptures today. And I want to talk about this because I want to open up with just a few scriptures here. How many of you ever heard of a man named King David? He's a pretty, pretty popular dude. Wrote a lot of the Psalms, most of the Psalms, in fact. And I want to look at some of the songs. Now, David was called a man of war. He was a man of war. But he was also called a man after God's own heart. So there was something I like about David because he had kind of a both sides. He had this, this understanding that worship was not just a wimp thing to do. Come on, man. We'd like to think, you know, we don't want to get up and, and sing a love song to the Lord. You know, praise the Lord. You know, No, it's weapon. It's a weapon. It's a warfare. It's like going to battle. It's like getting your armor on and going in with a sword and taking control of territory. That's what worship should be. And so we see a few scriptures here. We, we did Psalms 100, but I'm going to read it again. Psalms 100 says, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs, knowing that the Lord is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Psalms 134 says it like this, lift up your hands. Can you do that? Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. Psalms 95.1 says it this way, says, oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout. Can you shout? Just shout Jesus. Come on, shout Jesus. Just say Jesus. If you don't know what else to say, say Jesus. Shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Psalms 134, 2 says, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. Psalm 47 says this, says, oh, clap your hands, all ye people. Clap your hands. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. Say, praise God. Praise God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, that it encourages, that it blesses. And we thank you that worship is warfare. Lord, if we are facing a battle today, if we're facing struggles today, we know that we not only can pray, but, Lord, we can also worship in warfare against that situation. Lord, let us realize the power that you've given us in this mighty weapon of worship. See, when we worship, we must understand that we are operating in such a powerful weapon designed for battle. I don't know about you, but I've been in some battles lately in the last few years. I've been in a few of my own. I, I know we've all been in one together, something called the pandemic. Still continues to go on to this day. It's not really ended. But guess what? We are in a battle, and we can worship through this place that we're in. Worship is a time not only that we can go directly to God, 
but we can bring the attention back on God. You know what? People look, are looking at the church. People look to us believers, and they see, are, are you operating in fear? Are you worried? Are you concerned? How many have anxiety? Are you truly worshiping the God who says he has you in the palm of his hands? I know it's easier said than done, isn't it? Especially whenever the bill collectors are calling you or, or the, something's going on in your life. But I have to testify to you today that I remember going to church the first time when my wife invited me to church. I came from a Methodist background and she came from a Pentecostal. So we went to church with her. And I have to be honest, I was a little freaked out. Now, we didn't have people with their hair up, but, you know, bobby pins could have been flying, I suppose. But, but there was something that was honest about the worship. They didn't care what they looked like. They didn't care what, they, what, what people said. There was a freedom in worship, and it struck me, and it was real. And I didn't grow up that way, and so naturally I could have said, you know what, this is just, nah, cross it off. You know, everybody worships in their own way, right? I've been to black churches, they worship differently. Uh-huh. My wife uh, had a dance ministry for several years at the academy, and we had various black dance groups that would come in and get training. And I remember going to the Madam Walker Theater as we were having a conference there, and we were the only white group in the place. But there was power in the worship because it was real. And something is stirring us up today, and we need to see this, the power that is in worship more so than we ever have before. Now, I want to ask you a question before we begin. If you knew someone was going to break into your home today, come in and steal everything you had, what would you do? If you knew in advance. Hmm. Security system, yeah, that might help to prevent it for sure. At least give you the warning that they're there, right? You know, like a camera alert. I don't know about you. I've got a camera doorbell, and that thing rings all the time. It's always pinging something, you know. The cat walks by or something. I don't know what happens, but it's, it's like I don't even know if I'd know if anybody came in the house because it goes off so much. No, we would call the police, right? We would call the police. We would do something. We would call the higher authority to help protect some of us. People who have guns might pack your gun and get, get the guns out, lay them on the bed. You know, no, you're not coming to my house. Some of you might call Ray Joe, you know, or your friend and say, come and save me. Some of us might call our mom and dad. I don't know. Bree's raising her hand. Bree, I have to tell him Bree, she'd probably, she would probably call me. Well, she has called me actually, instead of call the police, you know, if something's happening. She's so, the door's open. Honey, I'm 15, 20 minutes away. I mean, if it's that serious, you're going to have to call the police. No, just joking. We would do whatever we could to save us from getting 
broken into and robbed and destroyed and take stuff taken from us. And guess what? God has given us a warning. We have an enemy. We have an enemy who's against us, who's trying to steal, kill, and destroy. Ephesians chapter 6 says it like this, verse 12, it says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. You know what this means to me? We're in a spiritual battle. We're not fighting other human beings. You think we're going through political wars right now? We're not fighting. There's a spiritual battle going on. It's not a Republican and a Democrat. It's not a liberal and a conservative. Come on, it's beyond that. It's way beyond that. It's spiritual. It's a spiritual battle come to conquer and divide us. How are we going to fight it? We're going to fight it with spiritual weapons. We're going to fight it with a spiritual call that God has given us. And we're going to use prayer, of course, but we need to use worship because there is a powerful warfare in worship. See, spiritual battles calls for spiritual weapons. You know, I'm all about guns, but guess what? A gun's not going to fight this war. Attacking your neighbor is not going to win this war. Fighting somebody who you disagree with is not going to fight this war. It's only going to come through worship and redirecting our focus back to God. The Bible shows us the way that we're going to fight, and we're going to look at this in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And I, I want to say that there's a lot of scriptures, but I want to read through this because we need to see the context of this battle that King Jehoshaphat fought. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1, said, It happened after this that the people of Moab and the people of Ammon and the others with them beside the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in Hazazan, Tamar. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judea. Let me first say, the first thing you do is you seek God. You declare a fast. I'm not saying that we have to fast right now, but I'm just saying, where are you at? What are you doing about fighting your battle? Seeking the Lord. I I have to be honest, in times I've been through in my life, whenever it's been very difficult and the enemy has come in, he tries to confuse me to get me looking at this. Oh, it's, it's, it's my wife. It's my husband. It's my son, it's my daughter, it's my, it's my uh, guy at work that I don't get along with, it's that person. No, that's called confusion, and it distracts us from the whole, in, the whole piece 
of the attack of the enemy to try to get us off track. Verse 4, it says, So Judea, Judah gathered together and asked to ask for help from the Lord. And all the cities of Judah, came, they came to seek the Lord. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And your hand is not there, is there not power and might? In your hand is there not power and might, so that you, no one is able to withstand you. Are you not our God, who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel, and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend, forever? And there dwell in the land, and built you a sanctuary in it, and your name, saying, If disaster comes upon us. Listen to this. Come on now. If disaster comes upon us, sword judgment, pestilence, or famine? Will we stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in the temple, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save? Oh, man, you got to hear this. Man, I think we could probably take that word pestilence and put the word pandemic there. We don't need to be operating in fear. I'm not saying do what you need to do to protect yourself. Please misunderstand me. I'm not saying be crazy and go about going out and doing whatever. I'm saying be wise. But we don't need to operate in fear. Because God is going to save us. We are His people. Now, I would almost say that it's easy for us in the last several years, and I have to be honest, I did this, just being transparent with you. Is that okay? It's a struggle. It's hard when things are going downhill, when you're losing things in your life. I remember going through financial difficulties, selling a house. You know, I, I didn't lose a house, but we had to sell a house. You know, I lost a job. We had to make some quick financial decisions. And it's hard. But this scripture is speaking clearly that no matter what comes, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, God is there. He will take you through. You may not see how it's going to happen. You may not see the way it's going to happen. But God's promise is that He is faithful and He is just. And here we see Jehoshaphat getting the people ready as they're entering into battle. Verse 10. It says, And now, here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Sarai, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt. But they turned from them and did not destroy them. Verse 11, Here they are rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us. Verse 12, O our God, you will not judge them? He's asking. For we have no power against the great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are up on you. How many of you have ever felt like, I don't know what to do? I don't know where to go. I don't even know what step to take. That's what he's saying. They didn't know. They were getting ready to get invaded by all the ites. 
the Amorites, the Hesitites, <laughs> parasites, whatever. And they're getting ready to get invaded, and he's, he's really being honest. And I love this honesty because he's saying, we don't know what to do. You know, I don't, I don't know about you, but sometimes I don't even want to turn on the news anymore. I'm like, I don't want to hear any other bad news. I've heard enough to last me a lifetime in the last year and a half. But I do keep in touch with things and what's going on. We get frustrated. We get overwhelmed in situations when we're struggling. Maybe you struggle with addictions. Maybe you struggle with uh, difficulties in your life. Whatever it is, you put that word in that box, whatever you're struggling with. If we don't give it to the Lord and cast it upon Him, guess what happens? We try to fix it in ourselves and we become frustrated. You know, I think we got a lot of smart people in the world. But there's a lot of people giving advice nowadays. A lot of people giving their opinions these days. I don't know about you, but there's only one person's opinion who I can believe. And it's the Lord. He is the only one who I trust. Now, my uh, pastor, when I was growing up, he would say it a lot, a lot along, along the lines of this. God will fix a fix to fix your fix. But if you fix the fix before he's done fixing you, he'll fix another fix. What does that mean? What's, what's that saying? God speaks through circumstances. Did you know that? Yes, God speaks through prayer. Yes, God speaks through uh, understanding. God speaks through prophets. God speaks through words. But he also speaks through circumstances. And if I hear one thing so clearly over the last several years, it's this. Return and put your trust in me. Don't put your trust in man. Don't put your trust in government. Don't put your trust in your spouse. Don't put your trust in your, your husband or wife. Put your trust in me. Let me make you who you are to be. See, because all he really wants to do is like we just read, he wants to, us to come into his presence and cry out in our affliction. And he, the promise is this, he will hear us. He just wants us to cry out. Sometimes when you're going through the battle and the struggle, it's hard to cry out. It's almost like you, you almost get something put on your mouth that says, I'm not going to pray today. I'm not going to give this to the Lord. And it's the very thing we need to do, is give it to the Lord. First thing we want to say here today is, God removes worry through worship. Warfare. If you're feeling anxious, if you're feeling anxiety, guess what we need to do? We need to come into worship again. How many times have you came into a service or, or even you're doing it at home or in, a, in the car 
and you're worshiping Lord, the Lord, you hear a song, and there's such a peace that comes through that song. That's the power of worship. It almost changes you inside. And you're, su- uh, you're suddenly in the midst of this problem. You're such, you haven't changed positions, but there's something in you that causes you to have peace. That's what we need today. It's like Jesus on the boat going to the other side. He's perfect peace. He's sleeping, and the disciples are all freaking out. Where's Jesus? Where'd he go? Oh, he's sleeping. You know, maybe they should have been sleeping too. I don't know. It's a good question, though. God removes worry through worship. How many of you remember the, the story of King Saul when David was a younger boy? King Saul was being tormented by an evil spirit sent by God. Let that throw your theology into an uproar. Yeah, if you want to study that one, come back to me and tell me. God did not put torment on somebody. Yes, he did for the purposes of getting David into the picture. Because David was the anointed one. And so he had to get Saul out of the way. Lord, Lord forbid if he has to get us out of the way to do something. God, let us hear your heart. And so David came and played harp and the music and worshiped the Lord. And guess what happened? The spirit left him. Are you dealing with the spirit? You're dealing with the enemy? Worship can remove the spirit from you. That's the power that we have in worship. Verse 13. Now all Judah and their loved ones, their wives and their children, stood before the Lord. Then the spirit of the Lord came upon Jehazel, the son of Zechariah, son of Benai, and the son of Jael, and the son of Matani, and the, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, in the midst of the assembly. And he said, "Listen to all you, all of the, uh, sorry, listen all of you, you Judah, and you inhabitants of Israel, and you King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you: Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, because this great multitude, for the battle is not yours." But it is God's battle. I don't know about you, but that takes a little bit of weight off my shoulders. It's God's. Verse 16 says, Tomorrow go down against them. They will surely come up by the the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them in the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. And you will lead... You will not need to fight in this battle. Come on, get this. You will not need to fight in this battle. And he says a couple key things. He says, position yourselves. How many of you ever played sports? Come on, us guys who played football. You know, you have to position yourself for the attack. He says, position yourself. And then he says something even more important. He says, Stand still. Just stand. And see the salvation of your Lord who was with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head and his face to the ground. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping him. 
See what they did? They took their fear, their worry, their anxiety, and they transferred it back to God where it's supposed to be. I don't know where my future holds. I don't know what the path goes for the country. I don't know. And you know what? Somewhat, I don't care because God has it in His hands. And I'm going to give it back to Him where it belongs. Notice, position yourself, stand still, and see the salvation. The second thing is, worship puts things back to proper perspective. Worship will put things back into proper perspective. See, when we put our focus back on God, where the true authority lies, things line up. Fear subsides. Worry, anxiety, frustration subside. Because it's His battle. It's not our battle. It's God's battle. We can't fight this fight. It's a spiritual battle. So therefore, we have to use what? Spiritual weapons. Verse 20. So they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tico. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. That word established there means firm. He's our what? Firm foundation. We'll be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army of the Lord, saying, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. Now, what happened? You would think that they would put the soldiers in the front. The ones who are going to take the swords and cut the heads off the other guys, right? You'd think that they would fight like that, right? That's the way our mind thinks, my mind at least. Put the big guys in the front. That's what I would think. But no, he put the worshipers in the front. He made a statement that warfare is what worship is all about. Warfare is the place that we need to operate today. We need to worship the Lord as we want to see God move in our lives, in our countries, in our situations. We have to come back to worship. Verse 22, it goes on, it says, Now when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they had made an end to the inhabitants of Seir, they helped destroy one another. So when Judah came to the place overlooking the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude, and there were dead bodies fallen on the earth, no one had escaped. Oh, you got to see this. Picture me with the scene that's happening here. Because they worshiped, because they sent the worshipers first, 
they were confusing the enemy's plan. Do you need to confuse the enemy's plan in your life today? Do we need to confuse the enemy's plan in our world today? In our country? Oh, yes we do. And guess how we're going to do it? We're going to worship our way through it. Warship. Worship, the third thing here is worship causes confusion to the enemy's plan to the point where they attacked each other. Remember, he said, you can just position yourself and you stand there and I'm going to take care of everything. Worship confuses the enemy. Talking to the devil doesn't confuse the devil. I always heard it this way. If you, keep the, if you fight the fight of the, against the enemy in the arena of faith, you'll always win. But when you fight the arena of your mind, you will lose. Because the devil is smart. He's been around for a few, few, few years. He knows how human, human minds work. And so we have to be careful because we can't fight him in our mind. We can't will ourselves to make ourselves stronger. We have to humble ourselves underneath the mighty hand of God that he may raise us up in due time. And the last thing that we see here is this. Worship wins the battle. Worship wins the battle. I don't know about you, but I need some victories. But it's not going to be on my own strength. It's not going to be on my own own uh, strength and will, willpower to make myself stronger and better. It's going to come as I humble myself and I bow my knee to my Creator who understands me better than anyone. Who understands you better than anyone? Who created you? Who said He formed you from your mother's womb before your mother? you were formed in your mother's womb? I knew you. He knows you better than anyone. You may think your wife does. You may think your husband does. But he does. Let's go ahead and prepare our hearts for communion. Sorry, could somebody bring me one? I thought I had one with me. Apologize. Warfare of worship. That's what God is calling us to live in and walk in today is warfare. We cannot fight this battle through natural means. We have to fight it in spiritual, with spiritual weapons. And communion is one way of doing that. Because communion is a part of worship. Let's all do something just a little. Let's stand up today. Just a little different than what we do. And let's just take this time to worship the Lord. As we remember your sacrifices, Lord Jesus. Father, we take this bread that represents your body that was broken for us. We bring our whole anxieties our worries, our fears, our frustration, and we remember the sacrifice that you made for us. 
Lord, we know that you were tempted in all ways as every man, but you were yet without sin. So you were perfect. The perfect Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Father, we ask you to bless this body. In Jesus' name. Lord, in the same way, the bread, we, we take, take the body. Lord, if we remember your blood, your blood that was shed for us, that spilled on the ground before the cross, and on the cross, and all the way to the cross. We thank you, Lord, for your blood that cleanses and heals us. Lord, and we remember today your sacrifice for us, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.